I'm here today. I've never done this before. This will be fun. I'm going to talk about technology. You're the man. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> and how you can get the most out of it as a student here. Um, a few things I'm going to cover today. I'm first going to kick off talking about Google Drive. And I don't know how many of you know much about this. That will incorporate a few things into that. Google Drive is uh, a service by Google that you get with your student email accounts. You get with free Gmail accounts as well. But it is uh, nice, especially using your student account, you do have unlimited storage in Google Drive. So that is nice. You can upload documents. You don't have to worry about storage space. So that's really handy. First thing I want to talk about is like Google Sheets and Google Docs. So this is like the online version of Microsoft Office. Um, it doesn't have all the same features. It's not exactly the same, but it's very, very helpful. Um, a few things that it's helpful with, it's called G Suite. In case you hear that reference, that's what Google calls it, is G Suite. So that's their entire range of kind of like Drive, Gmail, Calendar, all that kind of stuff, G Suite. So that's a term there. Um, a few things that are super helpful for this, ease of sharing. So if you're collaborating on a document, it's super easy. You can edit things at the same time as other people. You can share it with others. You can type in things. You can see other people typing in live into a document. Super handy for working on projects together. Um, it's, it allows you to edit as suggestions, which is another cool feature of if you send a document to someone and say, hey, could you proofread this for me? They can edit as suggestions. And so it's going to come in there, and it'll strike through some of your text if they backspace it. And if they add text, it'll add it in green. And so that way, it's easily noticeable to you as this was a suggestion by someone else. So that's a super useful feature if you're wanting to get a document or something proofread by someone else, and you want to know what they would suggest, but you don't want them just changing it. So um, it's free. That's another super big pro of Google Drive stuff is it does come with your student email account in that way. You can download any of the documents or spreadsheets or whatever as like you know Word, PDF, um, Excel documents, et cetera, that way. So you can easily download it, open it in Word, open it in Excel, print it off a PDF, send a PDF to someone. Side note on that, PDFs are super handy for sending to other people because formatting will not change. Text, uh, your, your font, it won't change. Even if they don't have the font that you used, it's not going to change. If they don't have the same footnote settings, it's not going to change. It's going to stay the same in a PDF. So that's a side note there. Danny? Austin, is it all right with you if people have questions they can ask? Yes, okay. yes, please do. If you have questions, please, please, yeah, let me know. So um, yeah, so that's super, that's kind of some key features of G Suite. Um, this is a screenshot of what Google Docs looks like. And as you can see, it looks very similar to, uh, to Word. You got you know, your, your uh, formatting bar up here. You got all your menus and stuff. Um, one super cool thing is the sharing of it. So if you click on Share up in the right corner, you will get this window here where you can share it with whoever you want and give them the access you want. You can give them editing access, viewing access, or um, commenting access. So you can specify. How, what level of permission you are going to give to someone that you're sharing the document with. Um, this is the suggestions um, piece of it. So you can see here, I've suggested that I add this line right here. So it's underlined in green. This 
you know, uh, new line is marked in green there, and it says Austin Rule suggests that you add this line right here, and I can either accept or reject my own suggestion on that. <laughs> <laughs> I went through that a lot when putting this together. Um, so yeah, that's a kind of an overview of Google Sheets and Google Docs. Um, Sheets not as much, but it acts very much like Excel. Um, same exact interface as, as this. So any questions so far on any of that? Andrew. How is it uh, going from Word uh, in both of them, Word or Excel, the Microsoft program, uh, when you convert them or move them to each other, anything that we should be weird? Yeah, there is, I would say, when you convert a Word document to a Google Doc, there can be some formatting issues. I've run into that a few times where you'll have some glitches in formatting. Each time I've downloaded a Google Doc into Word, the formatting has stayed pretty spot on. So it seems like just the conversion process to Google Docs isn't like the most superb and like rock solid as far as keeping your exact formatting. But if you're going the other direction, it seems like that works quite well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. If you're Apple, if you are an Apple, um, <laughs> you can still use Google Drive and stuff. If you're using, um, if you're using it, on, it's just all online based. So it doesn't matter what you're using, just a web browser there. I did all this screenshotting from my Mac here. It works great there. Um, I have Microsoft Office installed on my Mac here, and that's what I can transfer stuff between those. So yes, it's, this is cross-platform mobile. There's mobile apps for it, which is really handy if you want to edit stuff on the go for Android and iOS, iPads. Um, you have web interface for computers, um, laptops, Mac, or PC, either way. Linux, if you're going to go there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very cross-platform um, and able to be used on most any device, which is really nice. And because it's all web-based, you technically could go to a, a computer that you don't own at a, at a library, at a whatever, and just log into that and edit a document. And that's the nice thing. You don't have to plug in a flash drive, you know, have the risk of infection of a virus or something. For that flash drive, you can just log in, and in a browser, you're much safer than docking storage locally. Jacob. You can print directly from the web browser. Um, let's see here, do I have, let's see if I actually set this up. I did, cool. So here's a example, um, Google Sheets document. You can go file um, and then print right there. So it's gonna, I can choose whatever printer I wanna print it to, which I don't have any printers, um, and be able to just print that off to a, a printer installed on that computer. So that is that you can do it. It's all from, all from the web-based side of that, so, yeah. Okay, um, let's move on to a, a super cool thing that Google has had for a while, but they've transitioned it, the name of it a few times, stuff called Backup and Sync. This allows you to synchronize files between PCs, Macs, and mobile devices. So even if they're not Google Drive documents, Google Docs, Google Sheets, you can put Word documents in there, you can put pictures in there, you can put PDFs in there. You can put whatever you want in there. And you can access that then from any computer that you're signed into Google Drive on. So your phone, if you upload a, a, a document um, from your computer to Google Drive, you're able to easily open that 
on like your phone later or on another computer later. And that way it's easily accessible. Danny, I just helped you get that going and you were just saying super big help having stuff available when you're out on your phone and stuff. Super nice that way. So if you wanna check a schedule or look at a document or make a few changes that you thought of, you can do that then. Um, so this is super handy. They have PC and Mac clients that you install on your computer. So then it just gives you this window. You can synchronize whatever folders you want to your computer. So it's kind of like a Dropbox kind of thing, but because it's through your student emails, you're not limited to space, which is really nice. So you're not gonna hit that two gig uh, Dropbox limit that oftentimes people run into. So that's really nice for this. You can synchronize whatever you want. As you can see, I have like 92 gigs of stuff in my Google Drive. Um, but then it easily synchronizes to your computer. You have your Finder window or Explorer window there, and you can see it's just a folder, Google Drive, a rule, and I can access any of those files I put in there. I put a video in there to share with someone. I can access that now on any computer or device that's attached to my Google account. So, yeah. It, yes, it, well, it does store it in the cloud. If you synchronize it using the backup and sync client, it'll stay a copy on your local computer, but also keep a copy in the cloud. You can unselect certain folders to synchronize with your computer and just upload them on the web interface and then delete them off your computer, but then you're only having them in one location again, and that's just not the, the best practice for making sure if you actually care about files, only having them in one spot. So, yeah. Um, and you can access it on Android as well, or iOS, whatever, your mobile device. So you can see, this is just a screenshot from my phone of my whole Google Drive and what I can access there. So any questions on uh, the backup and sync piece of this? Danny. One thing that this would eliminate from a student's perspective is the possibility that you could ever lose all of your assignments. I know, I think somebody here actually had that happen where their whole hard drive, somebody can raise their hand. Hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. I remember that. All, all of their homework suddenly was gone. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a terrible nightmare. It is. All, if, if you just synced it mm -hmm. to, the, to your Google Drive, yep. uh, it, would, it would save all kinds of uh, potential disasters like that. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> that was fun. Um, Luke. This is true. This is very true. So if you're using Google Docs, Google Sheets, um, and as soon as you stop typing, it will go ahead and save any changes right into Drive. So it doesn't do that if you're just editing a Word document that's stored in Backup and Sync. But if you hit Save there, it will automatically upload that change. But you do have to hit Save there. If you're doing it online in Google Docs, though, as soon as you stop typing, it's going to just change those, save those changes. Another nice thing about this is revision history. And that allows you to, anything in Google Drive will allow you to go back and say like, man, I made a change. I don't like this change, but I saved it already. Two days ago, I didn't have this change. You can go back and look at a document from two days ago and it's version. Download that version, copy what you want into your current document and save that. So revision history, super handy for if you're making changes and realize you didn't want to make changes. So for when you're working on long documents, stuff like that, super handy for like, whoops, didn't mean to delete that or change that or whatever. And you can roll back and, and grab, grab stuff out of that old version. So. Awesome. Could you just show everybody one more time how, they, how to sync it to Google Drive? Yeah. How to sync a Word document or a folder in 
Yeah, let me just uh, pop over here. So we have uh, Google Drive here. This is the web interface for it. And easily, let me get a window here and actually show you what to do. Come here. No. It, my window won't follow me over here. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know why. That's sweet. OK, so if you want to do it, though, you can, I'll just do it here. You can hit, click New, and you can hit, if you're just wanting to do it from the web interface, File or Folder Upload there. And so I'm just going to choose File Upload. It'll give you a pop-up that gives you the option to um, upload whatever you want. So this is a backup of some config I had. I'll just hit that, hit Open. And it's going to tell you right down here, less than a minute left to upload that. And it's going to stick that right up in Google Drive for you. So that's how you can do it from the web interface. If you've synchronized the folder to your local computer, it's as easy as just dragging a document into that Google Drive folder. It names it Google Drive on your computer. And I would show you that, but this window is just kind of being a pain and won't walk over to that screen. Um, I wish it would. That'd be nice. Oh, there we go. Cool. Um, so yeah, like you can see here, Google Drive. This is my Google Drive. And you can easily drag anything from, I don't have any documents. Um, like I can drag this image right in there. And it moved it right into there. And now that is synchronized right there in my Google Drive folder. And now that is automatically synchronizing that up to the, uh, the Google Drive folder on Google servers. So now that's backed up. That's on their servers. You could log in on any other computer. I could log in on the Soundbooth computer. I could log in wherever and be able to access that file, download that file, print that file, whatever I want to do with that file. So super handy. I highly recommend the Backup and Sync desktop client because of the ease of just storing documents in there. It's a, it's a free backup for all your documents. So that is a very handy feature. Yes, Mark? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to cover some security stuff a little later on in this talk for personal um, securing of documents and, or accounts and whatnot. That's not the same hack you're talking about. That's on a more widespread scale where an entire company has a security flaw and gets a lot of information compromised. That is going to happen pretty much with whatever company you go with if you're using online things. Facebook had it a couple of years ago. I know Microsoft had their Outlook stuff, I think, like, I don't know, four or five years ago, something like that, that got hit. It's pretty much whatever you're going to use. I've, yeah, I've gotten hit a number of times with things like that just because I use a lot of online services. You just, yeah. So it's kind of a thing of you want to choose what you put on there. Don't, you know, upload your social security number probably, you know, and have it sitting out there in the cloud. That's probably not the best idea. But it's, the, in my opinion, the benefits outweigh the 
possible uh, negatives there. I know that after each breach like that, companies do a lot of times, you know, they'll beef up their security, they'll patch that flaw, they'll get on top of that, which is super great. The other thing is, is a lot of like potentially they could have gotten a lot of usernames and stuff. A lot of times passwords are what's called salted and hashed, um, which means that the way they're stored on any server is not that you can just read that back into that and get your password out. They're stored in a manner that you, they can't, a hacker couldn't just get your password in plain text back out and use it. So chances are a lot of people aren't going to be able to get into your account. They can get emails, they can get other information like addresses and stuff if it, that's in like a less secure database. Um, so yeah, hacks do happen. I have experienced them, I've gone through them. It's, yeah, it's just a thing of, of the internet, which is unfortunate, but yeah. So in my opinion, the benefits outweigh the, the negatives there. And I, I mean, if Google goes down, my life goes down pretty much at this point. So that's kind of unfortunate, um, but yes. So yeah, Angie. Hmm. Um, I've not personally experienced that one, um, but like if you can choose what you want to download it as, like let's see here, what can I open? Sure. You can choose what you want to download any document as, so that's the key is just making sure you download it in a format that you have software to open it later with. So like on this spreadsheet that's definitely not opening right now, um, you can easily, oh, I guess I could use this document. So if you just go file and download as, you have a bunch of options there to download it as. So like this EPUB publication, I actually don't know what kind of application you use to open that file. That's kind of fun. But you can like, you have Microsoft Word, you have open documents. So if you use open offices instead of Microsoft Word, you can use that. Rich text format, that's just a normal, you can open that with like WordPad. PDF document, Adobe Reader, Preview on Mac, stuff like that. Plain text, that's even less formatting and stuff. You're gonna lose some formatting in that case usually. Um, so the key is just downloading the file in a format that you can use on that computer. Um, and that's, that's going to be key in making sure that you actually have that content available for later. So um, yeah. And the same thing for like Excel documents, which this one's still broken. That's okay. So anyway, any other questions on that piece of it? Cool. Well, let's move on to the next piece then, which is Google Calendar. This is super awesome. Uh, it is, in my opinion, much easier than creating spreadsheets for scheduling. Um, spreadsheets, they're super handy. I love spreadsheets. But for the ease of just scheduling out your schedule, it's meant as a scheduler because it's a calendar. So it's, it's, like, it's made for it. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, it's super handy. You can use uh, the desktop version. You have it online. You can use it on the mobile app. Super handy. You can have your calendar with you all the time instead of on a piece of paper or in an Excel document you can't open on your phone if you don't have that installed. It's a super handy app to have. The other thing is you can share calendars with others. So it's super handy for yeah being able to share calendars with others, and I will get into that in a second. Event reminders as well. So you can set up 
oh, I have a meeting at this time. You can set up a, I want an email notification 20 minutes before this meeting or two hours before this meeting or a, just a notification on your phone, anything like that. You can set that up so that way you, it'll help you remember what your meetings are or, you know, oh, I have chapel in 10 minutes, stuff like that. Anything like that, super helpful for that. Um, this is a picture of the um, web interface side of it. So you can see you have like this grayed out area that is past events. Then your bright area here is current events that are in the future or current. Um, so you can easily, and then these colors are really nice. I have them set up on different calendars. So each calendar color coincides with one place I work. So my blue is just my normal kind of like what my personal schedule and my yellow as well. My purple is stuff for NBC. My green is stuff for Grace. So it's easy to split up stuff. So you can have your class stuff on one calendar, your work stuff on another calendar, et cetera, like that. So it's super nice to be able to distinguish that. And I can easily say like, okay, I'm good until, okay, this afternoon I have cross life, the green. So it's super easy to, to distinguish events and whatnot that way. This is the mobile version of that. And while kind of small on here, I don't know, can I? No, I can't. Um, nope. Cool. Um, stop. Um, <laughs> technology doesn't always do what you want. Um, that's why I have a job. So this is the mobile version of Google Calendar. Super handy to be able to, you can add events, edit events, look at your calendar all on there, set up notifications. Same thing as kind of the desktop application. Um, for sharing, these are a couple things I use it for. Like I share, have a calendar that's shared with all my roommates. So we have a schedule for like cleaning the house and like if there's events going on at our house. So that way we all know, like there's gonna be a big group of people here. Don't bring a group, big group of people over because we'll have two group, big groups of people and that won't work. As well as like with coworkers. So like at NBC at Grace, I have calendars that are shared that have events on them that are, that are events everyone needs to know about. So that's something even like now, super helpful for classes, for work, for whatever that way, but also looking forward to wherever you go after this, if you're a, a job that you're scheduling stuff with coworkers, a lot of times Google Calendar is a, is a key there. So super helpful to do it that way. I also use it. I shared one for my uh, video podcast I do with my co-producers to sh figure out shooting schedules and whatnot that way. So super helpful. Google Calendar is really awesome. You can easily share it with whatever you can specify it. Once again, permissions for the people you share with. So you can tell people that they can just see if you're free or busy. They won't see any details. They'll just see like, oh, that person's busy. That person's free. You can have them just view details. You can have them edit, or you can have them manage the calendar as well. So it's really nice to be able to, if you just wanted someone to know if you're busy or not, you can share that amount of information with, that, with them without letting them know, like I'm meeting with this person and having lunch with that person and doing this, doing that, et cetera. So that's super handy for that. Um, Google Calendar questions, any of those? Cool, yes. Recurring events, yes, yes, super handy. You can set up recurring events based on their templates they have for recurring, like this happens once a week, this happens on the fourth Thursday of every month, this happens twice a week, etc. Or you can, you can create your own, you can tell it, like this happens on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays every other week. 
and schedule that and it'll drop it onto your calendar every other week on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. So that way it's easily schedulable without having to add an event for every one. You can easily delete a single event of that as well. So if there's a holiday and you don't have that, you can delete that event without deleting all of them. And that way you still have your entire schedule, but you can see an accurate view of that day. So yes, recurring events, super helpful. Yeah. Okay, um, moving on from Google Calendar then, this is a topic that is both near and dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> security. It's, it's important, it's necessary, unfortunately. You will get hacked if you don't secure things. I've done that, so I'm not speaking from, you should be like I have done and been really good in this area. You should not do what I have done because I've definitely reused passwords and gotten hacked and accidentally posted my password on a public forum. Um, <laughs> there's been things that have gone along like that that I would not recommend you do. Um, but. It is very important, and I'm gonna go over some key practices here and management of this that will hopefully help you not do what I have done. Um, so a few things, password practices, as far as like, how do you create passwords? How long should your passwords be? How complex should they be? Password management, how do you keep track of the passwords you have? And how do you do that in a way that you're not duplicating password usage over multiple sites? Two-step verification, super helpful for online services that support that. I'll get into what that means here in a little bit. Okay, so I have a question. How many of you use the same password for multiple online services? Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question. How many people use the same password for multiple important online services, such as banking, credit cards, stuff like that? Okay, cool. Yep. Sweet, you shouldn't do that. And we'll get into a little bit on why in that in a second. Um, one other thing that people don't think about a lot is the importance of your email password. People think it's just my email. It's, it's not that important, it's not whatever. In the case of if it's your Gmail, it's also your Google Drive, your backup and sync, your calendar, your docs, your everything that way. But say your email password gets compromised. If someone is into your email and wants to get into any other account that you have, you know that nice little forgot your password link? They'll be like, we'll send you a password reset email. So suddenly, access to your email gives access to most accounts that you have because of that password reset function. They'll, you get an email sent, they can click the link, they can reset your password to whatever they feel like. That is a super easy way for that to happen. So email passwords are super important. So that's, the, that's just a reminder there. This next list is a list of the most common passwords in 2018, and I'm sad that this is still the most common. Um, so these, yeah, these, I'm, I'm kind of sad that these still are like the most popular ones. See, you know, you had the password one, two, three, four, five, six, and then you have the password one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, because you had to use an eight character password. So much more secure, not. Um, so don't use these passwords. I'm gonna t we're gonna take a look at this. I like this quote here. How big is your haystack and how well hidden is your needle? And for that, we're gonna take a quick look over at this website that allows us to kind of get a general idea of how strong pa certain passwords are. Um, so we're just gonna look at password. That potentially could be cracked, depending upon, these are a few different attack scenarios. This is a super like normal one. This is like, yeah, people want that. This is like 
you know, 100 trillion guesses per second. So that's what someone like really wants into your account. But even password in an offline fast attack, that's 2.17 seconds. Someone can crack that and be into your account. Things like that. So that's not a good password. Um, password is not a good password. Password 123. That does definitely bump it up 2.24 weeks instead of that. I keep dropping this poor thing. Um, and that is a lot better, but two weeks. Do you want to change your password every two weeks? No. That's not no good. OK, so here's the thing for password generation, a phrase that is unique to you, something that makes sense to you, something that you understand. So like, I'm just going to go with the good old, oh, where is my hairbrush? <laughs> That's going to take 1.0600 million trillion centuries to crack. <laughs> is that hard to type? No, no, it's really not hard to type. Is it difficult to remember? I don't know. If you watch VeggieTales, probably not. Um, but if I complicate that a little more and do 0H where 1S my hat brush, that's 1.33 million trillion centuries. No hacker's going to wait around that long to hack into your account. So this is just an example of, of how, can you, how can you make a password that's uh, meaningful to you and yet hard for other people to guess. Um, this is another one I came up with, purple cows in the field. Uh, that may mean something to you, I don't know. Um, but that's 1.0600 million trillion centuries. So it, the longer the password, the more secure it is. You can have a short password that has complex, you know, you swap a zero for the O and an at for the A. And yes, that does add complexity, but if that's a short little word, that's going to be relatively easy to guess because that's a normal thing for people to do. You come up with a phrase that doesn't make a ton of sense, like purple cows in the field, that's not going to be guessable for a really, really long time. So those are good passwords to make up, is something that makes sense to you in that case. Um, so yes? No, that would not be good because as soon as one site gets compromised, if their um, database of passwords is compromised and other people, that's the key is the salted and hashed piece, you can't read that password back. But if someone else had the password password and someone decrypts that, then they can decrypt all the rest of them. So technically, if nobody uses bad passwords, then that would be OK, because no one would be able to decrypt that. But as soon as someone uses a really basic password and that's easily decrypted, boom, everyone's password can be decrypted then because of they know the key that was used to encrypt it. So that's, that's, that's the deal there. So yeah, using the same password on multiple sites, definitely not a good idea. Um, one thing I wanted to mention here was password management, using something to manage your passwords for you. So that way you come up with a long phrase like purple cows in the field, and that is your master password. And that unlocks the use of all your other passwords that are stored in the password management. These are a few of the different password managements that are out there, LastPass, Dashlane, RoboForm, KeePass. Um, LastPass is the most user-friendly one I've messed with. It's, um, I've not actually done anything with Dashlane and RoboForm. KeePass I use as mostly just because it's kind of fun and I own the file and no one else has it and stuff that way. LastPass is great. It has a free version. It can store all your passwords. You can generate 63 character random passwords for all your logins. 63 characters. That's going to take a really long time when it's randomly generated. That will ensure that that does not, no one can easily hack that and you use your one master password that's long and specific to you to unlock the, the vault to all the rest of your passwords. So, yeah? 
That's the key is you don't have to because you make up your master password that is specific to you. You log in there and you go to a website, it's gonna wanna autofill that for you and say, oh, here's your 63 character randomly generated password. However, you can choose however long it is, but it's that, that way the software remembers it for you instead of you having to remember and you have your master password. Yeah, Jacob. That's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer to that. It's, I do use Google Chrome to like remember my passwords. It does prompt for authentication if you want to look at any passwords. But it is stored in my Google account. So if that gets compromised, then that's all my passwords as well. LastPass is a, or another password manager is kind of a nice side thing that is just for your passwords. It's not connected to as many services like your Gmail account maybe, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's a nice addition, as well as like this will prompt you to enter your master password every couple weeks to make sure that you are still you and that's still you using this computer and not someone else versus you know, a browser will just autofill that information for you. So um, this is just a screenshot of like LastPass login there. You have your really long master password that you can type in and authenticate there, and that's gonna let you into that um, database. It can store passwords for all, multiple sites, as many as you want to fit in there, all that stuff. This is a screenshot of KeePass. I use this as the mobile side of it. You can look at all the accounts and see the password, randomly generated passwords, and, and copy and paste those in. So, but key, um, LastPass seems like a really good thing I would suggest you look into for keeping track of all your passwords. Um, a few just quick things as we wrap up here. Um, even good passwords can become bad passwords if they aren't handled correctly. Never share your password with anyone um, that just, across the board don't give your email password to someone don't give your computer password to someone don't don't do that if at all possible i know there's there's you know there's things that you, that will need to happen i'm sure sometimes but in general don't do that it's just going to open that up how are you going to give it to them are you going to put it on a sticky note where is that sticky note going to go once you've given it to them are you going to tell it to them are there other people around are you going to text it to them that's not encrypted that's just sitting on their phone etc so it it can compromise your password. Um, don't let others watch while you type your password. Log out properly when you're done on sites. Change your password regularly and never reuse it. That's another thing, especially if you're using a master password. Change that once a year. Come up with a new long phrase that you can remember. That's only one new password for you to remember a year because it's remembering all the rest of your complicated ones. So that's not too bad. Um, store your password securely. Use a password manager. Don't use a Word document on your computer, a sticky note in your drawer, a sticky note on your monitor things like that. Don't, don't do that. You store it somewhere that's secure. Um, the last thing is two-step verification that's super helpful for authenticating you with websites. So what it does is it uses text verification or an application on your phone to verify your identity before signing into a website. And hackers would either need to impersonate your phone or have a larger security hack in place in an organization, which is un much more unlike unlikely. This um, Google, Dropbox, Microsoft, they all support it. You can use an authenticator app instead of text, which is more ideal. So if I sign into my email account, this is what I see on my computer. It says, hey, you, we wanna make sure this is really you. You should unlock your phone and tap yes on it. So that is send a notification to my phone that says, hey, are you actually a person that's signing in here? Are you the person? So that way they would have to crack your password as well as somehow impersonate your phone to Google to hit yes, because if you hit no on your phone, boom, you're kicked out. So this is what I get on my phone. It says, is this you trying to sign in from 
a device of an Intel Mac near Bozeman, Montana just now. So it tells you a little info. So if it's like I'm in Bozeman and someone in New York just tried to, try, tried to sign into my account, you know that's bogus. You know, if you just tried to sign in personally, you would say, oh, it's near Bozeman. And you're like, okay, cool, that's me. So something super helpful that way is two-step authentication. A lot of services support that. Definitely look into doing that for your Gmail account, for stuff like that. Super helpful. It works really well with the Authenticator app. Just pops up that little thing. You can hit yes, and you're set to go. Um, any other questions on any of that stuff? Cool. Well, I think that is it then. So thank you, guys.